Today's reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, that you might have great endurance and patience, and give joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us to the kingdom of the Son he loves. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Tammy Roach. I'm the adult ministries pastor, and it's my pleasure to be with you this morning. As Pastor Mark mentioned, today we are continuing in week two of our Lenten sermon series, Overflow. Over the season of Lent, we'll be looking at spiritual disciplines that help us grow in relationship with God so that his love through us can overflow to others. Last week, Pastor Mark looked at worship and talked about practicing a liturgy of generosity in order to let God's love overflow more freely to those around you. Today, I get to talk about prayer. And let me tell you, I am super excited about this topic because I have a passion for teaching people prayers, um, helping people get closer to God through prayer, and teaching them prayer practices. So as we move into our message today, it seems only appropriate to start with a prayer practice. So today I want to walk you through palms up and palms down. Palms up and palms down is a great way to let go of distractions and hard situations so you can engage with the living God. Now I encourage you to use this practice maybe as you begin a time of worship or before you hear a sermon or when you start another prayer practice like reading scripture. This practice can be done very quickly, or you can take as long as you need to take the focus off your circumstances and your plans for the day and to let your heart focus on God. So let's begin. I invite you to get comfortably in your seats. Take a few deep breaths and relax your mind and your body. If it's comfortable, close your eyes. It'll help you envision what we're, the process we're going through. But if you're more comfortable, you may leave your eyes open. Put your hands palm down on your lap. Now raise them so they're hovering just above your legs. Think about the things that are distracting you. And imagine your hands releasing these things and letting them drop. As your hands feel empty, flip them over in a posture of receiving what God has for you. Offer God a prayer, telling him you're open to receive whatever he has to give to you today. Palms down, 
let go of your distractions. Palms up, receive what God has to offer you. Go back and forth between these two postures as many times as you need, letting my voice fade away in the background. As your hands or palms down, think about it as letting go of anything you're holding on to that's distracting you from God. Release anything that's stressful. If something or someone has hurt you, see if you can picture yourself letting it go, allowing it to drop to the floor. Maybe even imagine yourself dropping your anxiety into the hands of Christ at the foot of the cross or at the feet of Jesus sitting on the throne. Relax as you're dropping them. And remind yourself that Jesus longs to take care of them for you. yourself feel him taking these burdens from your hands and acknowledge that yes he can handle them after you've let go of as much as you can let go of flip your hands over palms up at this moment let God know you want to receive what he has to offer you let Jesus share with you what he wants to give you. Open your hands and lift them higher as a way of saying, I want what you have to offer me today. As soon as you find your mind wandering, flip your palms downward and drop the distracting thought as fast as you can in order to get your focus back to God. So often we miss what God has as we're distracting ourselves with worry. Flip your hands back and forth as many times as needed to release all the stress you've put on yourself or others have laid upon you. And let yourself receive from God all that he has to offer you in this Amen. Thank you for going on that journey with me. See, this spiritual practice is not only helpful, helpful corporately, as we have done in this room together, but it's also helpful when you're struggling to fall asleep or as you enter into alone time with God. Too often I find that people are intimidated by prayer. See, they mistakenly think that there is one right way to pray. So afraid of doing it, they just don't pray at all. But see, the good thing is, is that we all connect with God in different ways. So it's important to have a toolbox 
full of prayer practices which enable you to talk with God more freely, to feel his presence in your life, and to guide your spiritual walk as you seek to grow in relationship with him. On Ash Wednesday, Pastor Mark called attention to our March spiritual practice of the month, our spiritual vitality practice, breath prayer. Now this practice calls you to breathe in a biblical name or an image for God and breathe out a simple God-given desire. This is a practice that I personally use nearly every morning as I start my day. Sometimes it's a few short yet very meaningful breaths, but other times I can engage with this practice for 10 minutes or more. See, I'm not worried about the words I'm using, but simply resting in the calming presence of our Lord. There'll be plenty of time for words throughout the day. Now, this is a great practice, and many people have found it very useful. But each month, in the prayer room, in the newsletter, on our website, we do suggest a different prayer practice for you to try. And I encourage you to seek those out because what helps me connect with God may not be right for you. Some people need a very specific prayer to say or a prayer model to use. And there are plenty of those examples available online if you seek them out. Some people need to be more actively engaged physically or maybe through journaling. And that's okay too. See, God created each of us unique. So the ways in which we connect with God will also be unique. Now, private prayer is hard enough. But saying a public prayer for a lot of people is worse than getting their teeth pulled. Right? You know what I mean, right? You ask a volunteer, other than a pastor, to pray out loud in a group and watch the dynamic in the room change. Everyone goes silent. Eyes divert. Idle hands become fidgety. Even in our own small group, if I ask for a volunteer to pray, I ask my husband to pray if no one else will, just to break that idea that a pastor has to pray. Like we have some special cell phone connection to God. I mean, I get it. Because very often, being asked to pray often feels something like this. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad, you know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace at many a dinner table. That's... Okay. Oh... Dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly laying at our table this day and each day by day 
day by day by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly day by day by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. <laughs> day by day, day by day. Come on, you all know you want to sing it. Uh, I think I've been driving my family crazy the last uh, couple of days with that. But, you know, if all else fails, God spell the musical as your backup. So before we move on, though, I think it's a good idea to take a moment to define what prayer really is. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. It's a two-way conversation with God through words, through breath, through stillness and silence. It means you communicate with God by both speaking, by speaking what's on your heart, and by listening to what God has to say to you through the Spirit. You share with God your concerns, your requests, your thanksgivings. And God, in turn, listens to what you have to say and responds in the way that he finds appropriate. See, too often we forget to be silent or still long enough to actually hear or see the ways in which God is responding to us. See, sometimes God responds through a chance encounter. Sometimes it's a conscious prompting for you to do something or maybe not to do something. Sometimes it's a thought which wakes you up in the middle of the night or which nudges you to act or have the patience not to act. And yes, sometimes God remains silent for reasons we may never understand. But if you do not have a relationship with God, then it is much more difficult to understand the ways in which he is present in your life and the ways in which he does communicate with you. So here's an example. Does anyone seemingly out of the blue ever just pop into your head? Has that ever happened to anybody else? Raise your hand high. Has anybody just had somebody pop into their head, right? You begin to wonder how they're doing. You begin to think about them and what's going on in their life that maybe you should give them a call? And later you learn whether you contacted them or not that they were in the middle of some crisis. Financial, relational, health-related, whatever it may be. Now see, I believe that those are God's promptings for you to reach out to that person and to pray for them. Now recently, Pastor Mark and I just had such an experience. Dan and I have a really good, good friend who, had, who received a, um, an infection through a cut in another country. And he was at the risk of losing his foot. So when I got into work, I asked Pastor Mark if he would please pray for this friend that he is also has a connection with. And he looked at me and he was like, you're kidding, right? Because Joaquin just popped into my head this morning. I guess now he knew why. See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit wants to help us intercede and pray for others who really need our support. Now, we can act on those impulses or we can ignore them, but how tragic would it be if God were prompting you to pray, to intercede for someone, and you completely ignored the Holy Spirit's prompting? See, because even if you're not able to reach out to that person, you can pray for them right then and there, the moment they pop into your head. But how might be your next question. How do we pray for others, especially when we don't even know how to pray for them or what their prayer need is? Well, I believe our text that we read for today can help us guide us to do just that. So if you would, if you have your worship Bibles in front of you, it's on page 954. But I encourage you to follow along in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Number one, we learn to pray continuously. Verse 9 reads, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. It goes on to say, we continually ask God. This is telling us that our prayer should be ongoing. Once someone has asked you for a prayer, once you are aware of a prayer need, keep praying. Not until your life gets too busy remembering them or their need, but until there is a clear indication that that you can release that prayer fully to God. Number two, pray that God will fill them with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Verse nine, with the knowledge of his will. It's a big question for a lot of people. How do we know what God's will is or how do we discern what God's will is? We do this by several, in several ways. We do this by reading scripture and looking for examples in scripture, primarily in the life of Jesus. We consider the advice of others we trust, providing it's in accord with Christ's character. We ask how the Spirit may be leading us. Are we getting a gentle nudge or a feeling that may indicate a direction? And we also notice how this decision will impact others. So when we pray for others to be filled with the knowledge of his will, we are praying that they seek out and recognize the ways in which God is revealing his will, allowing that wisdom to influence their decision and how they respond in any given situation. Point three from verse 10. Pray that they may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Now, Paul breaks this down further with more specific. He prays that they bear fruit in every good work and that they grow in the knowledge of God. So let's look at those individually. Bearing good fruit in every good work. Here you are praying that their conduct, their conversation, and their character, how they live, what they say, who they are, are indeed consistent with the life that Jesus lived. You are praying that their private life is the same as their public life. You are praying that their efforts are for the glory of God and his kingdom and not for selfish gain. And growing in knowledge. See, Paul is saying that, there, that as one learns more about God, their conduct, their conversation, their character, 
will change and conform to the life of Christ. The more we are convicted by the word of God, our lives should become more consistent with the life Jesus lived. Dr. McClarty says this, To pray for others, to come into full knowledge of the truth, is to pray that they will experience for themselves the wonder of God's love, the strength of God's spirit, and the confidence of knowing that God's grace will be sufficient for their needs. Point four from verse 11. Pray that they may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. See, we all need to be strengthened in our weakness, whether it be physical, psychological, emotional, relational, spiritual, or any combination of these things. We can pray that they are strengthened in their weakness by the love and the power of our Heavenly Father. Now, Paul goes on to pray that these strengths provide two specific things, that they have great endurance and patience. He prays that they have great endurance, the ability to remain under pressure, to withstand any hardship or adversity, and to do that with patience, which is bearing their pain or their suffering and their trial without complaint but rather a peace-filled calm. Now see, these very words indicate that life is not easy. So if you know someone who is dealing with a difficult situation, a loss of a loved one, a medical diagnosis, broken relationship, whatever the situation, praying for endurance and patience, that they do not turn from God or give up on their faith, remain through endurance and patience. That they can remain faithful while God is working things out in their life. That is one of the greatest gifts you can ever give them. And point number five, offer joyful thanks to the Father. Because it's his son who offers redemption, the forgiveness of sin. In all things, offer thanksgiving, for regardless of what else is going on in their life, our ultimate hope lies in our Savior, who went to the cross for us. See, for that alone, we can offer joyful thanks. Dr. McLarty says this about prayer. He says, prayer is the essence of faith. It's believing there is a God who loves you and delights in hearing what you have to say. See, today we recognize that there is a hunger within all of us, a hunger for some otherworldly experience of fulfillment and peace, of pure love and genuine hope. But while we recognize this hunger, a hunger, I might add, that was given to us by our very Creator, while we recognize this hunger, we try to satisfy this deep need for an encounter with our true self and a connection with God through many other less fulfilling means. 
Yes, some people turn to unhealthy things like sex and alcohol and drugs. But some turn to healthier practices like New Age meditations, yoga, some through regimented diet and exercise, some through psychology and therapy, or through various relaxation techniques. Now, these things are not bad in and of themselves. Some of these things are actually quite good for you, and if you engage with them, you should continue doing them. But they should never be a replacement for prayer. Timothy Keller would say that these practices are substitutions for prayer, for the vacuum left in our lives because we do not pray. See, we're desperately seeking a real soul experience. But we can't accomplish this with practices which do not deepen our connection with God. There is no substitute for prayer and a relationship with the very one who gave us breath. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we lift up our praises to you. We thank you for the gift of your Son, our Savior, who went to a cross for us, for our redemption, for the forgiveness of our sins, so that we may share an eternal life with you in all of your glory. You have released, we have released our burdens. We have put them in your hands, Lord, and we trust you with them. Please, Lord, help us in our weakness. Help us to grow in the knowledge of your will and strengthen us with endurance and patience so that we remain as faithful to you as you are to us. May our relationships with you and your love for us overflow to others through the rich power of prayer. In your son's name we pray. Amen.